You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Today we're going to be looking at a message called Living Your Life Without Regret. And you know, one of the things that we have to learn about conversations that we have, particularly around your cell phones, is that it hears you. I mean, anybody ever been looking for, hey, honey, I think we may need to get a new air conditioning system. Well, guess what's going to start popping up on your feed, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, what email you're going to get. They're listening in. And so I guess I was talking something about regret, and this meme came up in one of my feeds, and uh, actually, um, Addison was really gracious. I said, Addison, can I use this? And it's really kind of funny. It's this guy that got a tattoo, and it says, no regrets. And down at the bottom, it says, you have no regrets, like not even a single letter, because they misspelled regrets. So hopefully, if you've got a tattoo, you haven't, uh, number one, you did spell check on what you want to have put on your body. And then at the same time, you have a tattoo artist that can execute the right spelling of things, because that's one of those big uh-ohs that we want to have. But, you know, when we think about regrets, it can be one of two things. It can be something that you have done and you regretted doing, or it can be something you haven't done. And when I think about regrets, and in this morning, I want to speak more to this, is it's really more about what I haven't done. You know, it could be uh, that you regret not starting that new business. You ever had that, you think it's just like this incredible idea, and it it could be a really good idea, and you've thought about something, but you never did anything with it, and then time goes along, and guess what? Someone stole your idea, and the only difference is they did something with it, so we can regret not starting a new business idea. We can regret not making a visit to that person that could be the first, last time you could see them. We can regret not doing a lot of different things. When we look at the word regret, it, is, it means this. It's a feeling of sadness, of repentance, or disappointment over the occurrence or something that one has done or has failed to do. When I was thinking about this, I was actually flying back from Cambodia. I go there quite often and with some work that we do over there. And I was working on this sermon uh, on my 16-hour flight from Singapore to San Francisco. Literally 16 hours on one plane ride. It's not the longest I've been on, but pretty close. And when I was preparing for that, I was just thinking about some things. I have plenty of time to study, and I'm in an enclosed capsule with people all around me you know, trying to prepare. But I thought about my dad, and you've heard me talk about my dad. I had a great dad, McRoy. He was an amazing man. I shared a couple weeks ago talking about in searching the love of a father. Anyway, but I can remember my dad had his first heart attack. I was in the 11th grade. I lived in Lake Jackson, Texas, which is just south of Houston. My dad was taken to Houston uh, to the hospital uh, after he had suffered a heart attack. And I can remember a day he had been in there, and we literally thought that we were going to lose him. And, you know, back in that day and time, that was a few years ago, like 1974. Many of you were not even on this earth. Um, 1974, 
or 75, right around in there. And I remember going into my father's room in ICU and grabbing his hand and, you know, thinking, we were really thinking that we were going to lose my dad. And I remember the first thing that my dad said to me was, son, I wish I would have spent more time with you. And then he said, son, I wish I would have been a better provider for you. You see, when he was faced what could have been, he was faced with what could have been the end of his life on this earth. He wasn't thinking about what he did, but he was thinking about what he didn't do. He was regrets. And so sometimes in life, we don't think about things like this until we get put into a crisis. So what I'm trying to do is to share with you some principles that will help you live a life without regret. The scripture that we're going to use today that will kind of be a launching pad and it will support some other ideas that we have uh, that we'll talk about in just a moment in Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 34. The scripture says this, and we're going to look at this. Do not store for yourself treasures upon earth where moth or dust can death can corrupt and thieves can break through and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves can break through and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And then in verses 25 through 32, he talks about just the everyday things that we need. It says, listen, it's the food that we have, the shelter that we have, the clothing that we have. He makes that point. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't do anything. They don't work. And I take care of them. And then he says, how much more important are you than a bird? I'm going to take care of you. And then he says, man, look at the lilies of the field. Look at flowers. He goes, they don't work. They don't toil. They don't do anything. And it says that even King Solomon himself, which was a very powerful king in the Old Testament, he goes, he could not do what they do. And then he says that statement, will he not much more take care of you? So with everyday life, we're talking about living life there. He wants us, first of all, to focus on those things about our eternal. And then the other key verse, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What's all these things? Everything you and I need to live life. He said, just seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. So as we look at this concept of living a life without regret, we have to look at how we're living life. And so there's two things that we see here from scripture. One is Don't just focus on gaining the treasures of this world. Now, this is one of the paramount things that I think that leads people to regret is they spend so much time focusing on the temporal and the temporal takes you away from the things that you should be investing your time in. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with pursuing the things of this world just to live a better life. But what he's saying is, if that has more energy on it than seeking after the things, the treasures that we can lay in heaven. So our lives, we're making an investment somewhere. You're either making it an investment on earth. And guess what? No U-Haul is going to follow you to heaven. It all stays here. And yet we can get so focused on the temporal that we forget 
that there's something eternal that we can do. There's an eternal bank that's going to have dividends your entire life, and it will continue to touch and impact the world even after you've left this. So don't focus on just gaining the treasure of the world, but lay for yourselves treasure in heaven, because where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. So if all you're focused on is about making money, that's where your heart is. It's temporal. Easy come, easy go. But if your heart is focused on the things that are eternal, then that's going to last forever because it's eternal. The second thing we see here is to seek first the kingdom. And when I say this, I'm talking about, I'm not just going to focus my life on building my kingdom. I call it little K kingdom. Okay. I mean, cause everybody is building something, but I would rather give my life to build what I call big K kingdom, the kingdom of God, because that's going to be eternal. Now there's nothing again wrong with building a successful life, a successful business, a successful family. But the priority is, is I am seeking first the kingdom of God. It's a priority thing. So in everything that I do, I want to do that. So we don't want to focus just on the treasure of this world, but focus on the treasures that are in heaven and seeking first the kingdom. And then God promises us out of this passage that when we do that, he's going to take care of everything we need. Amen. And so what can cause regrets? We're going to look at three different things. The number one is this, the lack of commitment. So you and I, if we are going to live a life that's free of regret, we have to be committed to that life. And that life, of course, that we're talking about contextually, since we're in church, it's a life of living for God. It began with a choice. It began with me at age 18. When I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, I made a choice. And I committed my life to him. Psalms 37 verses 3 through 5 says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's always been a verse that's kind of messed with me. You see, when you focus on delighting yourself in your relationship with God, he says, I'm going to put all the right desires in your heart. And he says, he'll do it. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But what he's looking for is there a fully committed person. And then lastly, commit your way to the Lord and he will do it. Say that with me. He will do it. That's the God that we serve. And we commit our lives to him. Uh, it's something that, is, that can be really rewarding in, in our life, even in the good times and the bad times. So what I'm talking about here, the remedy of all this is that we need to go all in. Now, in the earlier service, I asked some people, I can remember being back in college days and we'd be hanging around and we would play like penny poker or whatever. And I asked her, if, if, if anybody ever played poker or you play poker, raise your hand. Thank you. We got some honest people here. The first, the first time I asked that question, the last service, and no one raised their hand. I go, you bunch of liars. I know you've played poker, some of you. But in poker, you know, I didn't have a poker chip because I don't really play poker anymore. But I found something. It's a medallion that I got from serving down on the border 
with our border patrol. We went down just to honor them, but it's the closest thing I could find to a poker chip. But when, when you're playing poker and you've got a good hand, what do you do? Do you hold back? No. You push everything to the center of the table. You're fully committing to everything because you believe in what you've got. It's all in. You see, that's what God wants us to be. God wants us to go all in in every area of our life. Because you see, yes, Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. Lord means that, that he's my master. And so what happens, and we, and we naturally, we grow in our relationship with God. We grow what that means and, and we need to, and as we, we're going to progress in that, and there, God's going to show us areas of our life where he's not really boss and we're still controlling it. But the more that you commit, one of the reasons why we have regret in our life is because of our lack of a commitment. So we need to go all in. That's the thing that I want to point out with this first point. The second reason why is that we focus on past behaviors choices, or failures. You see, don't, listen to me, don't let your past determine your future. Now, some of us have made bad choices. Can I get a witness anywhere? Yes, we all have. And it's things that we regret. But just because that happened, that's in the past you can't do anything about it now except learn from it and make a determination in your heart that I'm not going to make the same mistake again. Learn from it. We regret making those. Isaiah 43 verses 18 through 19 says this. Do not call to mind their former things or ponder the things of the past, but behold, I want to do something new. Will you not be aware of it? Which means God could be trying to do something new in your life, in my life, and because I'm living in the past, I can't see what he wants to do in my future. And then he goes on, not only that, he goes, <clears throat> he goes I will make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, I love going to the wilderness. I love going to the woods, and it's fun to walk around and explore. And there's been a few times in my life I'm going, I don't know where I am. How do I get back from, from whence I came in? I'm in a wilderness. And yet, sometimes in life, that's how we feel. We look at our life and we go, man, I don't know which way to go. And God says, I'm going to give you a roadway. That even in the midst of wilderness where you don't know where to go, and some of you this morning, you may be that. That may describe your life right now, that you don't know where to go. You don't know which way to go. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and God will direct your path. He'll show you. And then your life may be like that of a wilderness, but then the scripture says, I'm going to give you rivers, rivers in the desert. So your life right now, spiritually, it may be more like a desert where it seems dry, but God says, I'm going to bring a river in the desert to bring life to us. Amen. And so I love this verse. He says, don't call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. One of the illustrations that I use all the time with this would be like, our car, that we have a rear view mirror, and that we have 
a big windshield. Well, just this last Tuesday, I'm in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, which is about 20,000 miles from here. It's on the other side of the world. I'm in Cambodia. I'm taking what is called a tuk-tuk. It's like a little personal taxi. It's a little motorcycle, and there's a little seat in the back, and they're really fun. I think it'd be a great business idea for San Antonio for all the tourists because they're so easy to get around. And But anyway, I call this tuk-tuk, and in that picture, you can see there on the left-hand side, there's a very small rear-view mirror, but then what the driver is looking through is what? A windshield. What's bigger? The windshield. Because you see, it's a lot more important for you to see where you're going than where you've been. And that's what I'm talking about here. Many of us, we live in the past and we look to the past. I wish it, if it was just like it was back then. And that's where we live. Well, guess what? It's never going to be like it was back then. But that's where we choose to live our life. Now, a rearview mirror is great for reference, okay? It's great for contrast of where we're going in the future, but my past is not going to dictate my future. If anything the past does, what it does, it keeps you from your future because your past does not have to be the thing that determines your future, but God wants us to look ahead. The third thing that we see here is that you have to forgive yourself and to forgive others. There's some times you ever made a decision that was a really bad decision. Maybe it was relational or maybe it was an investment. Maybe it was taking that new job and you regretted it so much. And there's a lot of us that for a long time and maybe through years, we can continually blame ourselves and not forgive ourselves for making a bad decision. We're all going to make bad decisions at some point in life. But also when it speaks of not only forgiving yourself, but forgiving others, you know, when you hold on to things that have been done to you, it's like a ball in a chain. It's going to weigh you down. It will prevent you from moving forward into what God has planned for you. I saw or heard in the announcements just like you did on, I believe it's July the 17th. They're getting ready to start a whole new session, a new semester of Cultivate. Which cultivate the whole ministry part of that in our church is to help people get over the pain of the past. But we have to be able to position, to make a choice, to be willing to forgive ourselves and to forgive others. Forgiveness is paramount in our emotional healing. Without forgiveness, we stall in the process of moving forward. The choice to forgive releases the offense to God, and it allows God to deal with whatever took place. Where there is unforgiveness, there will be bitterness, and there'll be resentment, and that's what will be growing in our lives. And so it's important, if we're going to live a life free of regret, that we're willing to forgive ourselves, forgive others. Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32 it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all the malice. Those are all negative things, aren't they? They're not good. It's all negative things. But then this is what he tells us, the contrast of that. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. 
So the remedy to this is you have to let it go. So if you want to live a life of no regrets, we have to do three things. Number one, three things. We have to go all in, be fully committed. We have to look forward and we have to let it go. You know, when I begin to think about this, I get real practical. Okay, so what are some next steps that I can encourage you in and some things that, uh, that I can do to help uh, live a life free of regret? And the first thing, these are just real simple things. They're not necessarily profound. Number one is to make a choice to change. Make a choice. Today can be that choice that you're going to say, Mark, I'm no longer going to live my life based on the past. I'm no longer going to allow areas in which I've been hurt to be something that's a liability to me moving forward and living a full, abundant life that God has for me. So this whole thing about make a choice to change, I'll give you just a practical example. In 2013, uh, I was in a time in my life uh, where uh, I wasn't really that healthy physically. And so when I speak about change, it can be spiritual change, it can be emotional change, it can be physical change. For me, in this example that I'm giving you, is there need to be something changed. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, Mark, if you want to finish well, you've got to start taking better care of yourself. And right now, there's a bunch of elbows going into the ribs of the man. The wife is going, honey, you better listen to him. You better listen to him. That's what my wife was doing to me. And as men, we just think that we're eternal, invincible. We don't have to go to the doctor or whatever. So anyway, as I told you earlier, my, do- my father had heart problems. It's something that's hereditary runs in our family. And so in 2013, I began to get serious about dealing with heart disease that runs in my family, diabetes that runs in my family. Those were all hereditary things. And let me just say, I was greatly participating with them. Understand? With bad life choices. And so because of that, I was probably almost 40 pounds heavier than I am now. And I'm still not a skinny boy. And I still need to lose weight, but I'm a lot better than where I was. Okay? 2013. So I started going to the doctor. I make the choices to change to take care of myself. I'm going to the heart doctor, Dr. Coppice. It ends up on December the 17th, 2014. I go to the doctor. I'm doing stress tests and this and that. And from that, a previous experience, he says, listen, we need to do a heart catheterization. And that's where they pump dye in you. They can see exactly what your heart's doing. And, and I was a little bit symptomatic, but you know, a little bit low energy, but not that bad. And so I go in for that. And at the end of December 2014, and he's saying, we may have to put some stents in. We don't know, but da, 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 da. So I go in to have this procedure. I wake up, and in the recovery, it's an outpatient thing. And I ask the nurse, I said, hey, did they have to put any stents in? She goes, no. I go, dude, I knew I was okay. You know, I was just getting all cocky and all that stuff. And then I go into recovery. It's an outpatient procedure that they do. And it's really taken a long time for the doctor or my wife to come back. And I go, what's going on? So my wife eventually comes back in and she goes, I said, honey, they didn't have to do any stents. I told you I was going to be okay. And she goes, yeah, they didn't put any stents in, but they told me to tell you that you're to go home and you're not to leave the house. I was 90% blocked in my primary artery. That's what they call the widow maker. I was 70% and 80% blocked in other arteries. 
And the doctor looked at me and says, it's amazing that you're even alive. And I had been traveling to the Philippines, Southeast Asia, like three or four times in four months. We've been doing some hard traveling with disaster relief and what the work that we do in Cambodia. So I go in on January the 5th, 2015, to have bypass surgery. So I'm going in to have bypass. Forget the stents. I bypass those. And we're going to the, the, we're going to do the replumbing here. And so I go in and I have bypass surgery. And uh, I didn't just have one. I didn't just have two. I didn't even just have three. I didn't even just have four. I have five bypasses. That's a lot of bypass. I'm an overachiever, I told you, Okay. So I have five bypasses. The second night of my recovery, I'm in ICU. My daughter, Ashley, which at that time was just before she finished her nursing school, but she was a registered nurse, not quite registered. She was taking the test. She was staying with me in ICU. And in the middle of the night, about 2 a.m., things begin to go awry. They begin to not go so good. My heart is speeding up. It's slowing down. It's irregular. It's a real dangerous time when you have major heart surgery for that. And my daughter, Ashley's looking at the monster. She's seeing all this fluctuation, and it's something that can really put you into some very traumatic thing. And so she goes out to the nurse's station, and she goes, hey, listen, I think something's wrong with my dad. His heart arrhythmia is going all over the place. I think you need to do something. And they go, it's okay. If something goes wrong, the alarm will go off. So the alarm goes off, and then all of a sudden, now it's like code blue. What are we doing? And then da-da-da-da. And they're coming into the room. There's all this craziness going on as they're trying to deal with my heart. In that time, and I'm, I'm not saying that I died, but I am saying the room changed. I am saying that I begin to look on the ceiling, and I begin to see faces from all over the world. So African-American and Asians and Hispanics. I didn't know who they were. It was all in black and white. And there was a moment there that I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not saying I died, but I'm saying I was knocking on some door of another realm. I was excited, though. I was so excited to go. I had no regrets about that, except that I would miss my family. But be honest with you, the promise of heaven and going there was far greater than any regret that I would have on earth. The next morning, takes them a couple hours. They get me all taken care of, of course, or I wouldn't be here. And I remember the next morning, the Lord spoke a word. He goes, Mark, I want to change the way of how you view life. And he showed me a pair of glasses. And when I say he showed me, it's, it's in my heart. It's in my mind. I'm not saying God spoke to me or a picture appeared on the wall, but it's just all I know is his images that I know that God brought to me. And he said on that, it was a pair of glasses and there was a word that was written on each lens. On one was the word eternity. And on the other lens was the word kingdom. And that's when he took me back to this Matthew chapter 6. But he said this about eternity. Now you have to realize, I have a new way of how I'm viewing life. I've been given, in my book, a second chance. I get a redo. So I want to go through all that, and I want to share with you what he said. He goes, Mark, the only thing that is worth your time left on the earth 
of you investing yourself into. It is the things that are eternal. It's no longer the temporal things. It's no longer fame or ambition or whatever or trying to get this or get that. But it is what is eternal. And that's true for you today. The things that we prioritize our energy, our life, and our effort, and our resources, it needs to be put into things that have eternity on it. And then about the kingdom, he said this, your day of wasting your time with little K kingdom people is over. You understand what I'm saying? It's people that are just doing their own thing. And they could even be Christians believers, and they're just all caught up in who they are and what they are. And again, there's nothing wrong with seeking to be successful in whatever God's called you to do. But we can get so busy building our little K kingdom that we forget that the only thing that's eternal, it is the big K kingdom that we serve. I'm thankful that Doug as the senior pastor here and our staff is that this is a kingdom church. This isn't just about city tribe. It's about what we can do in our city. It's about what we can do in our country. It's about what we can do in partnering with places around the world where we can help build the kingdom of God. So we need to make a choice to change. The second thing here, and this is the last thing, and then I'll be closing after just one more comment or story is that we have to focus on the things that we can change. So right now, when you look at your life, and you may see, Mark, I can see some areas where I regret. I'm not doing some things I shouldn't do. The thing I want you to do is, number one, make a choice to change. Number two is look at it practically. And what do I need to focus on first to make a change? What do I need to do? What do I need to change in my life? Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, everything that entangles us in the sin of this world. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. That's the focus. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. What you focus on is what you will become. What you focus on is what you will become. It is better to look ahead and prepare than to look back and regret. It is better to have tried and failed than to never have tried at all. I share with you a couple of times that I spend quite a bit of time, about a month and a half out of every year, I spend in the country of Cambodia. I just made my 30th trip to Cambodia in the last 13 years. I added up the miles that I've flown on the airplane, and it comes up to over 660,000 miles that I've spent in an airplane going to Cambodia. It's one of those things that I know that I'm called to work with an organization that we help run there called Freedom's Promise. And it's an anti-human traffic organization that helps prevent the trafficking of children, of women and men uh, in sex trade as well as in labor trade. And so uh, in that, as I said, this last trip, I just got back. 
got back Wednesday afternoon uh, in Austin, Texas from being over there. My wife sent a note to me, which she doesn't do all the time, but she sent a note to me when I was in Cambodia. It was the first, second morning I, the group was there. And I'm going to share with you that note. Now, she said I could share this with you. It's kind of personal. It was very personal. And it was when I was kind of praying about what I wanted to share, and I didn't necessarily have all this in prepared yet, but she said this. She said, Mark, contentment, regret. My goal is that you will have no regrets, that you will find contentment in a familiar place. As our family has released you with great love and admiration to do that for which you were created, contentment for me is wrestling for the assurance that you are in your place, that you are fervently pursuing your passion and determination to traverse the world in defense and in demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ours has been an unusual journey. Thank you for staying true in every way. I miss you, of course, and I love you for sure. Yours forever, Susie. Great woman. See, there's a support that I have from her. Susie, the only time she ever wants to get on an airplane is if there's family at the end of that airplane that she's going to go visit. There's grandkids or kids. You know what I'm saying? And she has no desire to travel, but she supports me in what God has called me to do. It would be something that I would fully regret if I wasn't able to do it. And this is not just a husband being supported by his wife. It, it's both ways. It's a husband supporting their wife. Because you're, yes, we are two and we become one as a couple, but the calling is individually. And they work. And I'm thankful that I have a wife. I'm thankful that I have a family that supports me in doing this. Supports me in going to serve the poor and the vulnerable. Not only in our city, but across the country and across the world. It's something that I know that I've been called to do. Just as God has called you to do specific things. And however that plays out in your life. I have this saying. That the Lord gave me to uh, gave me a long time ago. And it's just simply this. Are you willing to try some things that you never tried? To do some things that you've never done. So you can go to a place where you've never been. It's just try. It's, what are the things? What are the dreams? What are the visions that you have in your heart? Do you think God's put within you? This last verse is what we'll close with today. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. Now, that's not social welfare. That, that's like welfare for your good. Plans for your welfare and not for calamity. Not for bad things, but for good things to happen to you. Not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. See, that's God's word to every single person here. That God has a plan for you. He has specific things that he has called you to do. 
that no one else can do. That's how well he knows every single one of us. So if we're going to live a life without regret, we got to go all in. We got to look forward and we got to let go. So as you bow your heads this morning, just for a moment, as we close, I just ask you this simple question. If you say, Mark, I know there's some things in my life that I need to let go, some pain of the past, some experience. Maybe it's rooted in a bitterness and unforgiveness, or maybe it's a, a, an area of your life that is like uh, an experience that's become like a ball in a chain that it seems to inhibit you from moving forward. And you say, Mark, today... I want to get free of that. If you just raise your hand real quickly, I want to say a prayer of agreement with you. There's hands all over this place. Father, I pray, and I know, Lord, that you see these hands that are raised, my brothers and sisters, my friends, that they are saying that there's something in my past that I know is hindering my future. Father, I pray that today that you'll give them the courage to change, the drive and the grace to do it, and Father, I pray for a fresh impartation of your grace and your truth over my friends in Jesus' name. We are going to have prayer people down here in the front as well as at the prayer tent. If there's something specific that you want someone to pray with you about, they want to be here to do that. If there seems to be a pattern or a lifestyle of hurt that is in your life, I want to encourage you to go by outside to the cultivate table and to talk to someone of how God can heal us of all the things of the past so that we can have the future and we can live a life without regret. Amen. Thank you so much. Happy 4th of July. Have a great weekend. Thank you. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.